1: News. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today is Mr. Alex Robertson. Alex, how's
0: it going? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Dan. Uh yeah, it's uh it's been another exciting week of uh, Champions League action, hasn't it? And uh mm. City are making quite a habit of their comeback wins. But yeah, it's uh good to be on the show and I'm looking forward to, to digging into what happened last night.
1: Absolutely, let's kind of delve straight in because you make a very good point there. City Um, making quite the habit of coming from behind this season and towards the end of last season as well, lest we forget. Um, They played Borussia Dortmund on Wednesday night, um, coming from behind to win 2-1. Jude Bellingham put the the visitors ahead, deservedly so, and nicking in ahead of the defenders to nod in Marco Royce's kind of powerful cross-come shot, um, getting in before Edison to nod home. But that goal kind of sparked a, um, a bit of a stifled, stodgy, not the racist city to life. John Stones, um, with a bolt from the blue in Vincent Kompany-esque fashion, blasting the ball in the top corner from 25 yards. Maybe the keeper should have done a bit better, but we won't, that too, no, we won't take that away from Stones. And then, of course, as inevitable does, inevitable happened um, with Erling Haaland getting the winner an acrobatic flick of the foot to turn in João Cancelo's beautiful outside-of-the-boot pass. Now, it was a good win. Alex, you know, as we kind of discussed on last week's episode, City are now in a great position in the Champions League um, groups uh, in Group G, top of the table. The double header against Copenhagen to come, win both of those, then through plain sailing and sitting very comfortably on top spot, almost probably secured as well, depending on how Dortmund and Sevilla get on. But it wasn't the best performance yet again. You know, we we can talk about the the good of the comeback, but let's you know let's be negative nancy's Let's stick on the the downside first. I was there on Wednesday night and City just really were not good. Now, this you can, you can easily put this down to Dortmund being very good. They, you know, defied their open nature. Um, you know, this is a team that lost a game. They were winning 2 0 in the 89th minute earlier this season and were hammered 3 0 by Leipzig on at the weekend. Then they're, they're a team that concede a lot and usually play quite open in the Bundesliga. But here, they were so compact, so tight, defended really well. Uh, and I remember kind of noticing at one point whenever City had the ball um, from Anthony Modesto up front to the centre-backs, all the players were within a 12-yard box in the pitch. So there was such little space for any of the players to kind of manoeuvre in. Um, so a lot of credit has to go to Dortmund. Hummels and Nicolas Sula, two defenders who are very talented, obviously, but i have got mistakes and them both played brilliantly. Hummels especially was on hand so many times to get the ball just out of Haaland's grasp. So a lot of the credit does have to go to Dortmund, but City, they're undefeated, so it's not exactly a crisis, they're doing really well. But this is now, by my makings, the third or 4th subpar display so far this season. Now, you know, they'll turn it around, and just like they did last week after the draw with alert they go and spank Sevilla. They may well do that this weekend, but another poor display here, not the best, a lot a bit of a, a bit of a lacking in spark, I thought, especially on the flanks until substitutions were made. Is is it a kind of a worrying trend for you, do you think? These kind of not you know, sub performances, or is it just the case of getting the job done at the minute while the kind of the going starting to get a bit tough with the the fixtures piling up?
0: Yeah, it's um it's a weird one, isn't it, really? It's uh obviously Guardiola said after the game how sort of happy he was that they've they managed to pull it back. And, you know, it's a great characteristic to have as a team to, you know, to dig deep when you're not particularly playing too well and, you know, getting these results. Um, but I think it is a little bit of a, it is becoming a bit of a worrying trend now. Obviously we had it at the end of last season and a big a bit at the beginning, but now it's, um, I was just looking earlier and in, the, in City's last 10 competitive games, including the final two league games of last season. In five of those, They've had to come back from losing positions to take points. And I think in four of those, it was it was two goal deficits. So, um, or three of those maybe. Um, so it is a bit of a worrying trend. And um it doesn't it doesn't seem to be a sort of a a re that's the same reason in each of these games. You know, you had the game at Newcastle uh last month where City were just couldn't cope with the with the counter-attack and, and the pace and power of of Alan St. Maximan, but then the weekend after in the palace game, that was that was more just down to sort of um, you know, failure to deal properly with set pieces. And then you had going behind yesterday, where City, as you say, they were quite stodgy, not really on it. Um, lack of rhythm, Guardiola said, um, not in the right gear. And then obviously Dortmund were pretty okay, they weren't counter-attacking like Newcastle did, but you know, they were they were quite dangerous when they went forward and obviously they got the goal. So it's kind of hard to put a finger on one strand that is the same with all of these games where city are going behind. but yeah, I think it's it's definitely something they don't want to have to rely on too much, I wouldn't say. they I mean they already have, but you know, you don't want to be going into the the sort of you know the knockout stage of the Champions League and be having to rely on this remarkable ability to to fight back and and come from behind to win games because at some point you're going to come up against you know someone like a Real Madrid. Or, or maybe a Bayern Munich or someone that aren't going to allow you to do that. And that's no disrespect to the teams that City have done it against. But, you know, they can't keep doing this forever. Um, so, um, yeah, it is. A, it, I would say it is becoming a, a little bit worrying. And as I said, there doesn't seem to be a, a clear reason each time. It seems to be a, a bit different. But um, I think you're right. Credit has to go to Borussia Dortmund. I thought I was, I was really impressed with the way they set up. And I guess they've... I think we saw after the Newcastle game, people said, oh, this is a template of how to to beat City now or how to play them at least. Um, But I think maybe this Dortmund, uh, the Dortmund template is more attainable. You know, they didn't, they didn't cram the, you know, they didn't start with a back five. They had a back four, but what they did very well was had everyone dropping in between the lines. So there just wasn't any space between their midfield and defence. And it was actually when they went to a back five that city found ways through actually so they got a city were a bit lucky in that respect that Dortmund probably shifted their tactics when they shouldn't have done but um yeah I think Guardiola's gonna have to come up with a way to try and stop these slow starts and um try and avoid going behind in games because as I said they're not gonna be able to do this forever but um but it was pretty exciting. On the other hand, <laughs> so uh, yeah, on the flip yeah. side, it was pretty pretty dramatic. But yeah, I think it it won't be good for for for, for um, supporters' blood pressure and uh, <laughs> and Peps um, Peps nerves either if they keep doing it. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, before the match, it was quite straight. I had to have a, do, a, do a bit of a double take because I heard "You'll Never Walk Alone" being played over the FTIAD speakers. I was like, "What's going on there?" And then soon, clocks that. It was coming off a Heineken advert, which was obviously a UEFA sponsor, but it did kind of seem to herald the sort of European comeback that you know has become so synonymous with Anfield. And as you say, it was thrilling. Those last twenty minutes were so exciting. was great, you know. Anyone, no one can level the complaints of City being boring at them at all this year. I mean, you know, four, three or four what comebacks we Not three comebacks. One, two of them ending in mm. high-scoring victories. The other, that Newcastle draw, like. The, the games at the minute are so, uh, as you say, really thrilling. If it's not um a big comeback and you know both teams getting some joy, it's you know a kind of a goal fest. Um, We've just City kind of um you know uh, destroying teams quite easily. But I think you you're kind of right there. Like it doesn't seem like there's a a kind of a, a pattern to why the same results are happening. And, and I but it just so seems like there's something a bit missing. Like they've I don't want to say it's Haaland's fault. it's obviously not, Haaland's amazing and we'll get on to him. But it feels like maybe they've sacrificed... The biggest change that City have had this year compared to last year is that they're not playing with the false 9 anymore. You know, they had either Bernardo or De Bruyne, um, Grealish on occasion, sometimes Sterling, um, Jesus as well, and They had so many different players who were playing in that central striker position and they were kind of coming in deeper because they weren't natural strikers. They were coming deeper, so we had that extra body in the kind of the zone just before the box, the, you know, the whole, the creative zone where those lines happen. And it's cause I'm and, and not, this isn't to disparage talent. Cause there was a bit of play in the first half where he did some brilliant build-up play and spread the ball right wide. Like there's not, there's not to say that Halland can't do it, but he, he, he's obviously not there to do that. He's there to spearhead the attack. And I think maybe that extra body in the middle, that extra person to kind of is off them um, to unlock compact defenses. The, it's a bit of a change. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter because eventually Haaland scored the goal anyway and is it presence 13 goals in eight games already. It's remarkable. It's, it's going to be better for them in the long run, you'd suspect. But I do wonder if maybe he's just, it's, I don't know, it's worse, but it's like not having that same kind of ingenuity in the middle all the time. And, you know, because the Bruyne and Gundogan were both snuffed out so well by Dortmund, especially like It's probably the most uneventful game I've ever seen De Bruyne have, which was a bit disappointing after (laughs) finally being able to see him in person. But, you know, Bellingham and is it Arkan on the other side, both of them just completely marshaled City's defence. and I'm sorry, City's kind of midfielders who usually make that magic happen, usually push into those gaps and there was just, because Haaland is the one who's pushing a bit further, trying to be on the shoulder most of the time, it just didn't seem there was that little bit of spark, maybe. And that's that's the only thing I can think of that might be a reason, because when you've watched it, there's not been really any obvious defensive frailties for my money. There's been no problems in midfield. Rodri's still been a mint. We'll talk about kind of a kanji in a minute, who's come in and adapted seamlessly. So the only, the only change I can really think of, the biggest change, is how City attack. And maybe that has just been Maybe it's just taking a bit of getting used to. Just the, you know, It's a big change. City haven't played with a proper striker for the last two seasons consistently. So it, it may well take a bit of adapting to kind of get that creative spark back. And again, when you're playing against a team who were so compact, so tight like Dortmund were, it's kind of an, um, understandable that maybe it's a bit hard to come by. But as you say there, when, um, quite silently I think, Dortmund had just switched to a five at the back. They brought on, oh, I can't say his name, Schlotterbeck, I'm gonna go with, yeah.
0: Nico nico Schlotterbeck, I think. There we go,
1: well done. There we go. I knew exactly who I was talking about, unsurprisingly. Um, and it wasn't as if City unlocked them, it was just stones smashing one in from 25 yards, really. But that change and then the sudden momentum shift, the Etihad was roaring, kind of you know, the old cliche, kind of sucking it in. It did feel, Haaland, it especially felt inevitable through the match. He was always lively, always on the spot. It was just great defending. And as soon as those cracks started to appear, we took advantage. But what what do you think? That's the only change I can think of that's happened from this season to last, where the difference has come. And maybe it's just kind of getting used to the different
0: tactics they're now deploying. Yeah, um, just to quickly pick up on what you said about uh, Kevin De Bruyne. I'm not really sure how he got man of the match or player of the match, but I guess that's a different, different issue. But um, yeah, I think with the... With Haaland, like, yeah, I think it is an issue. Um, I think it's one that Guardiola's always very keen to play down, but I think it is clearly a real sort of topic. Maybe not a problem, but, you know, there, has, there is going to need to be some adaptation, and there already has been. And Guardiola's always insisting that, oh, you know, we play with false nine, we play with striker, doesn't matter. But it clearly does, because as you said, very rightly, you know, playing with a, a more of an out-and-out striker than a false nine, you are going to lose that body in midfield. Having said that, I don't think that was really the issue last night. I think games where it does affect, where that does is a is a clear sort of issue was maybe you know like a Newcastle away, where it just turned into a basketball end to end game where it's just transition one way, transition the other way, and there's no one putting a foot on the ball in midfield. Um, and it, like at Saint James's Park, he's, I seem to remember that uh, City's midfielders just kept getting overrun by the likes of Joel Linton and 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 Bruno Gimariash. But last night, I didn't really think... Like, I mean, City... I wouldn't say it was an end-to-end game. Like I wouldn't... Dortmund had a few promising counter-attacks. There was one in the first half. I think Oz-Chan had a, yeah, had right. a decent shot that, that mm-hmm. Edison fairly comfortably saved. But I wouldn't say... Yeah, they basically know, had a
1: period for just mm-hmm. after the second half when they had the Royce one that just went wide and then they scored. And they kind of got the ascendancy before City wrestled it back. But I should mm-hmm. say, Dortmund didn't have many. You're right there.
0: Yeah. So I don't think it was the kind of game where a false nine would have really helped. I think, you know, if you'd had a false nine instead of Haaland, they probably don't, well, they definitely don't score that second goal. So, But I know where you're coming from. I think in general, I don't don't think that was the issue last night. But in general, I think it's clear that City are taking a bit of time to adapt and there have been games such as Newcastle away. Um, where and, and sort of the second half against Aston Villa actually after after City had missed a load of chances and then Villa came back into it, it was the kind of game where they might have benefited from having an extra body midfield rather than up front and just passing their way through the rest of the game, seeing things out. Whereas I don't think that was really the case last night, but I think it's definitely something that I mean, let's not kid ourselves, it's worked pretty well so far. You know, oh, yeah, we're I saying mean, this, not, but see, yeah, so yeah. Not... City see, yeah, yeah. But um, But I think you're right. It is something that, um, you know, it is going to take a little bit of time to adapt. And, you know, Guardiola is going to have uh, things that he wants Haaland to do a bit more of. You know, maybe... uh, And we did see him drop off the front line a few times last night, as you said. Um, But, you know, he's going to want him to do more of that sometimes, maybe be better at it. But then City are also going to need to, you know... There might be some games where it just isn't going to work if they have an out-and-out striker up front. So, it's... Mm. Yeah, I mean it is really fascinating as as you said at the top of the show. Like no one can accuse sort of city like as a as a team how it works, how the team works as, as being boring because you know there's just even more sort of variables in there this season. So, um, but yeah, I think it is definitely a a topic that's going to be worth revisiting quite a few times over the next few months because yeah, it's going to be interesting when they come up against those teams where they can't quite dominate midfield how they might have done last uh, last season. And yeah. Harland isn't obviously the same as a sort of a Gabriel Jesus in, mm. in that t- type of role, so you'll be definitely interested.
1: Yeah, no, you know, I say they still won the game, still undefeated so far this season, almost certainly going to finish top of their group, sitting pretty towards the top of the Premier League. Uh, it's not that things are going badly, but as, as you said earlier, I do think. You can't eventually keep going behind every match. It is going to bite you on the backside. I think was it United during Solskjaer's reign? Maybe the second good spell he went on. They went literally, I think it was it every away game pretty much. They they went behind and somehow got back. And like it's good yeah. and exciting, it's fun, but it's not sustainable. And even a team of City's quality, eventually you're gonna come up against a defense, you just can't get through against you know, towards the last stage of the Champions League, where it's cost them so many times. You, you fall asleep you could see the few and it's a lot harder to rescue yourselves in such a you know such a knockout you know um, sudden death sort of scenario so it is something that get needs to be resolved i think you know they've got international break coming up time to rest recuperate you know regroup kind of look see where things are going a bit awry and I, you know you, you you believe in you know the Holland and in the false nine may not have been the issue but I think one that certainly was a problem on Wednesday. You know, we will get to the positives eventually, I promise. But we have to talk about the flanks. And Guardiola said before the match that he doesn't have a weakened team. Now, obviously, to say that, he's not going to go out and say his um, his uh, players are not stellar or brilliant. And that's not me saying they're not brilliant either. But Marez at the moment, who I actually didn't think played that poor FI play quite well, actually. But Grealish especially. If they are playing, Bernardo and Foden are better than them. And even Julian Alvarez is in better form at the moment. So if they're playing over Foden, especially, and Bernardo, then it is a weak and city team. That's not to say it's not brilliant, and it still couldn't beat most teams on planet Earth, but it's a weaker side, that is for sure. And as I say, I think Mavis actually did okay. He No one's firing all cylinders, especially in that first half, but Mavis was the biggest threat. He looked sharp on the box so and he'd only had two starts all season. Um, he had played a lovely pass for De Bruyne in the second half, which if the keeper wasn't as Johnny on the spot as he was, Haaland may well have got there before um, before it to score early on and we wouldn't be having such a, a dramatic conversation now. So, But on the other flank, you know, but he did, in fairness, you know, I've seen people criticise him as well. He, you know, he did he, he, at the end of the day, he didn't contribute much, even though he did look sharper. But on the other flank, um, you know, Grealish started. And I love Jack Grealish. I, I did not want to kind of disparage him or put all the blame on City's performance on him. Last night in, in when I wrote my report, but I have I have you know caught some strays for criticizing him. And the fact is now, you know, I defend him on this podcast many times. It's gonna, you know, most city, new city's new attackers take a year or so to get accustomed, but it's over a year now. And I don't think there's been any noticeable improvements. I think Greal has been tied, he's been nice, he's a great player, but to me he looks like a, not the player City bought. Now maybe that's what Guardiola wants. He wants the talent and not the of him, but that same spark that made him such an exciting player at Villa isn't there now, and obviously Guardiola he kind of hammers his players into what he wants them to be, there isn't a lot of room for that spark that's that's exactly why when he was at Barcelona he bought Ibrahimovic because he wanted a bit of it and it didn't work and I'm kind of getting, I don't think the relationship's ever going to go quite as um, explosive as that one did, but I'm kind of getting a similar vibe to this signing where he's bought Grealish to be maybe a bit of an X-factor, something different A bit of a spark but it's just not working because he can't quite hammer Grealish into this role against Dortmund he just he just he just wasn't good sadly I mean he I think the stats are going around that he had no successful dribbles um no shots on target and he and and you could but you don't even need the stats I think the eye test was telling he was kind of running into blind alleys he was kind of he'd get into the position eventually on the left but then he'd Kind of snatch at a shot, he'd snatch it across, and it'd just be blocked quite easily. He, um, and I remember one shot. I think he he had three shots, all of them like deflected out wide. On the third, he kind of puffed his cheeks in, like disbelief or dejection or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But it definitely struck me, you know, he betrayed a man who is short on confidence, not not having that same kind of verve that you know we we want to see, and we have seen in the past. I I think the the there's, there's, there's still time not me wrong he's got what five years on his contract he's cost £100 million like City aren't going to throw him to the dog or anything he's a great player and I'm sure he can find that but I do think it may be time to start asking some questions of whether he kind of will do it because it's been a year now and I've not I don't know about you but I'm not seeing that improvement yet
0: yeah I like yourself I'm, I'm a big Jack Grealish defender um but i don't i just think he needs a bit more time because i know i know what you're saying but this was only his fourth game of the season he has been injured for the past month so you know if he'd played every game and he was and then he put in that performance last night then i'd be a bit more sort of a bit more worried that's not to say i'm not a little bit worried because as you say he's still not really clicking how you might like but but it's a tricky one i don't think sometimes i think And I'm not saying that Grealish has been in... Obviously, he's not been anywhere near really as good as what City would have liked or what he would have liked so far. But I do think sometimes it's to do with the system and perhaps the type of game it is. So, for example, well, last week when he started in Seville, I thought he was... I wouldn't say he was incredible or amazing, but I thought he was pretty good. Um, And that was the kind of game where, obviously, it was pretty comfortable for City in the end. But, um, you know, he's... One of his biggest things that Guardiola likes to to sort of praise Grealish for is his ability to put his foot on the ball and, you know, not, you know, tear up and down the pitch. He's very good at sort of controlling the tempo and not giving the ball away. But he always looks much more dynamic and less predictable when he has a left-footed left-back next to him. And last night, he was doing the things that people want him to do. Like he was, cut, as you say, he was cutting into the box. He had a few shots. um Sort of blocked, and I think a more confident Jack Grealish. There was a few instances where he cut in with one touch, probably could have got his shot off with the next, or I think there was one where he could have dinked it into Gundogan, who was running in the channel, but he took an extra touch and then he shot, and it was blocked. So I think a a Grealish in full flow with that sort of verve and confidence pulls executes those things better. But I also think in some of these games we've seen, he just looks so predictable because. Him and Cancelo are both trying to do the same thing. Neither of them really want to go to the byline and hold lots of width on the left. Yes, he holds width in the sense of keeping the ball out there, but when it gets to the getting towards the box, Grealish always wants to cut in, but so does Jao Cancelo. So then it's almost like the Dortmund players know what's going to happen. So it's like, oh, you want to cut in and he wants to cut in. So we'll both just go this way and then there's no real way through. So I don't know. I... I but that's not obviously on the other side, on the flip side, that's not like a full defense of him. That's not a full excuse because it's it's obvious that he isn't playing at the level that he should be. Um and I think part of that is down to confidence. But I do also think that sometimes the system doesn't help him. Um and I think I'm not I don't think that, you know, he doesn't fit City system or he can't do the the things or he's not just not suited. Cause I've seen plenty of that on Twitter and I just I just don't agree with that. But I do think He can look very predictable because of the way that City's left flank sort of is set up sometimes by Guardiola. I'm surprised to be honest that Guardiola went with that because I thought um I thought in Seville last week, I thought Grealish looked so good with Sergio Gomez sort of flanking him on the left, who was going wide and getting to the byline and providing more width. Um so I think I think you are right. It's 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 been over a year now maybe give him a few more games to sort of get back mm-hmm. into the swing of things after, after having a month out injured. But it is the sort of time where he needs to be up in his game and, you know, producing more goals and assists. Because at the end of the day, I know Guardiola said last season, you know, that's it's not the be-all and end-all. There's so much more to a player's game than just goals and assists. But he is there to provide goals and assists as well. He isn't there just... He didn't spend £100 million for someone to stand on the wing and just, like, keep the whip for keep hold of the ball. Those are great things that he does, and they're great for for city system. But he does need to provide more. But I also think that sometimes the system doesn't help, and when the system doesn't help, a player that's low on confidence and is trying to regain their form, it's just not a good combination, is it? Um, no, no. So no. I would like to I would like him to keep playing because I think the only way that someone like Grealish is going to get his good form back is to play his way mm. into form. But mm-hmm. I would like to, especially while Kyle Walker's still injured, I, I'd like. Cancelo to go across the right-back and I'd like Sergio Gomez to, to play at left-back so that he can get game time, but also yeah. I think it would be good for Grealish. But, um, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think you made some very, very, very astute points there. I, mean, I agree. I was a bit surprised Gomez didn't start natural left-back, but I think it was more he wanted um, a bit more of an experienced head with Stones coming in just mm-hmm. to, you know, Dortmund's, to, you know, Marco Royce to deal with a really kind of wily and creative player as, you know, he set up the goal. And I, no, you're right there. I think Simon said on last week's episode that he, for, because of Gomez's inclusion, he could play Foden on the opposite flank, which he'd never been able to do because do, he always wanted Foden on the left as Cancelo was coming inside. So the fact that Grealish still is playing there, and I should say they're going into the exact same positions. They're getting they're crowding each other out maybe. That's something I'm considering, I think. It's a really good point. And it, ma- it makes me wonder, maybe Grealish... Because he, he's not a right, he just doesn't have the pace to be on the right flank, I don't think. And he has to cut inside. But I do kind of wonder maybe if in that midfield, the kind of the Gundogan, obviously he's not, um, he wants to be further forward and he hasn't um, got that kind of that defensive capabilities that Gundogan does. Um, but I do wonder if maybe a kind of more central position might be in his future that could maybe get the best out of him. Just because he, he isn't the fastest, as you say. And if Cancelo's going to continue on the left, more often than not, you suspect, especially when Walker is back, it, it might just suit him a bit better, but, you know, I'm not writing him off completely, don't get me wrong, um, I just think, as you say, and I haven't considered his time on the sidelines either, so I can only apologise for that, um, but I do think that, you know, after the international break, maybe it gets a bit of a refresh out there, England, you know, see if he has some game time there, after that, it's a really important spell for City, um, some big games coming up, and it, I Think it'll be telling if he doesn't play in those big games. There's a Manchester derby on the horizon, the Spurs game will have to be rearranged at some point. Um, there's some more big matches, I'm sure. And if he's not playing in those, I think it might be quite an indicator that maybe Guardiola thinks it's not working because Grealis did go off on the 57th minute and he was going to go off before the goal was scored. All our eyes were diverted to the um, the bench as Bernardo Foden and uh, um. Uh, Who was the third one? Alvarez, as they were all getting ready to come on. Dortmund scored. And and it was their introductions that really brought City back to life. And Foden especially, you know, the difference between him and Grealish was very stark because whereas Grealish was, as you mentioned there, kind of a bit ponderous on the ball at times, not really being extinctive or incisive. He was taking the extra touch when he maybe didn't need to. Foden was the exact opposite. He was running straight at the defenders and as you say, on the left side, his natural left foot maybe better suited him, but it just made City look immediately more balanced, able to stretch that compact Dortmund defence so much. I'm actually not me to question Guardiola's knowledge on football or anything, but it did seem like they needed that bit more width um, early on because everything was just so um, within the 18-yard box with Mavres and Grealish cutting in. The introduction of Alvarez and Foden on the flanks and then Bernardo in the middle just offered that mm, a lot more... And a creative spark and that pace and it was that sort of added energy especially after the stones equaliser which made it so inevitable that the goal was coming and um, Foden on t- two occasions nearly set up Ireland once again you know we, we, we laughed on the first two games of the season when he didn't team up but that is becoming um, a partnership that really looks to be blossoming now and yeah those introductions were, and let's say it is it is Foden and Bernardo at the minute of the informed players they are. And I, well, actually, fair, I think Foden's not been his best this year, as um, from what I've, from what people have said. But they are just the better the better players at the minute over the, the likes of Grealish and Marez, who hasn't found his form either yet.
0: Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think yeah, by Foden's very high standards, um, which we shouldn't forget are, are pretty astronomical. Um, he hasn't, you know, been at his best. Uh, but as Guardiola said after the. I can't. It might have been after Sevilla, actually. Um, he said that you know, he he actually said that um, not Grealish. Uh, Foden hasn't you know been playing too well recently, but he's just one of those players that he just has to play anyway because he'll always um, find a way to sort of get things done, um, regardless of you know he might have a game where his passing not quite on it or he's not those little those runs and his, his shooting isn't really um, isn't really coming off. But he just you know he just sort of runs himself into the ground and never never really tires and does have a knack of of you know making things happen regardless of whether he's playing too well or not so um i was kind of surprised that phone didn't start um but then again that might have just been a a bit of um with an eye to the wolves game on saturday which is you know kicks off it's about 62 hours i think after the the end of the dortmund game so it's basically two and a half days which is is nothing really um, so and Guardiola did say that he would be taking the Wolves game into account when making his his team selection for Dortmund. So it might be one of might have been one of them, but I do agree. Even if Foden hasn't been at his best um, so far this season, I think he is just a player you've got to start really. Um, and Bernardo Silva as well. After sitting out the first two games of the season, he came back into it for Newcastle. I think it was, um, and he was brilliant. Um, that that assist for, for the for City's equaliser, the third goal, was just. Uh, oh, sorry. No, that the assist was Kevin De Bruyne. The finish was pretty good as well, though, um, from Bernardo. And yeah, he's just he's been he's been great as well. So um, yeah, I think for Wolves on Saturday, I think we'll come on to that shortly. But yeah, I'd be surprised if if both of them aren't sort of involved from from the off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree. And, you know, let's let's let get to the more the positives now because we have dwelled quite a well, while. So it so it seems on the negatives. And I think that's right to do because you know Guardiola's admitted it, De Bruyne has admitted it. They they weren't at the races, but still picking up the win is so crucial. And you know the big part of that was Haaland, No, we've waxed local so much about him on this podcast, and we'll try not to do it too much. But I, I said on last week's, I was really or the week before, whichever it was, that I was really looking forward to seeing him play in the flesh, and he, he delivered. Like obviously, it was a quiet game; it was a hard game. He didn't have a lot to go off because of how well Dortmund defended. But what I thought quite remarkable watching him in the Etihad, um, that it almost seems like fan, the City fans have already been kind of Pavlovian conditioned to expect him to score. So the 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 kind of anticipation. When the ball is even, there's even a possibility of it coming to him in the box. Is like everyone's on that. Maybe that happened anyway. I'm kind of just being a bit, bit lyrical with it. But it just feels like some like the they're on the feet immediately. There was one point I think it was Maris to Stones and Stones think the ball in, and it was going towards Ireland. So Everyone stood up immediately, and then Hummel's got his head in mm-hmm. there. And it's like oh, everyone was like gutted because it and. The one um, I think it was before when it was still one nil. He managed to kind of wrestle through for the first time of the game. Nice to barge past those um, giant centre backs, and he 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 kind of shot and it, it hit the side net. And I think it was actually um a, a, quite a smart save from the keeper, even though he went for a goal kick. And everyone was like, "He's scoring!" Everyone thought he was scoring, and when it didn't come, it, there were it was almost like a sense of absolute utter disbelief. That anyway, you know, he's only been eight games, and how many of those have been in the Etihad? Three or four, and but they've already just, just, it's just, it's crazy how quickly he's kind of gotten this, maybe a reputation. He's, he's absolute freak in nature. As I say, it wasn't even his best game, but he's still nice to pull off the briefest of openings and he somehow gets his foot over his head to score that goal. Brilliant finish. And it just seemed him scoring in that game just seemed absolutely inevitable. And um, as I say, when Foden came on, there was like two or three occasions. When he nearly scored, the ball nearly got to him forward and went down the left, past the ball across the box, and Hummels got a toe on it just as Haaland was about to bury it. There was a few, you know a couple more occasions like that when Hummels or Sula just just got a nick on it to kick to take it out of his path. And then when the you know when they finally hadn't couldn't have any answer to that beautiful Cancelo pass, which shouldn't shouldn't go unmentioned, he he buried it. And man, watching it in person, even when it wasn't the most. Thrilling of his performances was a real a real privilege, and my God, he's going to be um some some assets for City and for, you know for for football in general um in the years going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of already running out of words to describe Erling Haaland, which isn't great. If we've got a seasons seasons worth of podcasts to come, but um yeah, it's just it's just it's just incredible, really. It's, it's I can't, and this is this is this might be a big shout, but I don't think. Obviously Sergio Aguero is City's leading all time goal scorer, but he, he didn't necessarily have the same sense of inevitability that which sounds you know that he's gonna score, which sounds daft considering he scored two hundred and sixty goals. But with Haaland, like to be fair, there was a point in the second half where I just felt like you know, because of how Robert Lewandowski couldn't score against Bayern on Tuesday, and obviously it would have had no bearing at all, but it just sort of felt, Oh, is, is Haaland gonna have the same sort of thing he, he plays his former club and then can't do it. But but then obviously he hit the post and then he got that goal. And yeah, it's just now, they just it just seems absolutely inevitable. And and then not, not just inevitable that he's going to score, but that he will be involved in a goal in some way. Because he scored in every, I think it's every game this season he's played. Okay, not the Community Shield, but every game bar the Bournemouth win. But in the Bournemouth win, he set up Ilkay Gundogan for the first goal. And I think in a couple of the others, it was pretty clear that his movement distracted the, the defenders to such an extent that it created space for Kevin De Bruyne or, or whoever to sort of move into. So it's it seems inevitable that he'll score, but then if it, somehow he doesn't score, he's going to have some sort of impact and sort of play a part in a goal at least. Um, but yeah, just that goal. I, I don't know if we'll see a better goal at the Etihad this season, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I'm sure we'll see goals that are just as spectacular, but goals that are so spectacular, you know, physically difficult to pull off. You know, I think if one of us tried that, we wouldn't tell... I wouldn't walk did, for a week. Fall off. <laughs> <I wouldn't laughs> you walk need surgery. A week. If if I tried that, I wouldn't be walking for a year, never mind a week. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, the technique, not not even just how, you know, Pep Guardiola described him as elastic in his post-match press conference. And not even just the physicality of it, but just the technique, the timing to, to, to pull off that move at the exact right second. The, the way that there was. And that goal came when, yes, City were finding it easier because Dortmund had sacrificed the midfielder for an extra defender. But that meant there was three centre-backs in the box. And as you see, just at the moment that Cantelo is about to cross, there's three centre-backs all within about two metres of Haaland which clearly isn't close enough to be to Haaland if you're going to stop him but you know they're all there and still he finds he finds separation to to get to the ball first and obviously part of that is the quality of the cross to put it in the right spot but he finds a separation not even just to get clear but to you know to be able to get his foot up and not not clobber someone's head and get a foul given given against him he gets the ball like <laughs> that if he makes any contact with a with one of the defenders at that moment you can be sure the referee's going to blow up for a high foot. So it's just incredible, you know, just incredible vision, technique, phys- like, you know, physicality. Yeah. Just insane. Absolutely insane. I thought it was mm-hmm. a header when I saw it and I was, I was in the ground sat sort of pretty much in line with where it happened. And um, just sort of the lower stand of the Colin Bell getting round to the, to the family stand. And yeah, I, I was like, no, oh, he, he didn't he didn't just karate kick that internet, did he? Um, but yeah, absolutely incredible. And um I've probably said incredible too many times now. But it's just it's just hard to think of anything else it to say. Um yeah, it is,
1: yeah. We, we we ran out of kind of the the normal ways to describe with players about three weeks ago. So now we're in the land of um whimsy and uh metaphor <laughs> as much as possible because yeah. that's the only way you keep things fresh. But you know, another player who came from Dortmund this this summer. There's a really good start to life, i see, say. Is uh, Manuel Akanji. You now, I, I mentioned on last week's show, he wasn't kind of renowned as the best centre-back at Dortmund. Like they were actively looking to sell him throughout the summer. They, they brought in Sula and um, Stratebeck to replace him. um before he'd even gone, like he was likely what their fourth, maybe even fifth choice. Uh, if you count, maybe he was sick. If they kind of put in Chan back there instead, like he was not in Dortmund's plans for this year. And and reasonably so, he hadn't had the the greatest um, recent couple of seasons. But he's come to City, you know, circumstances have allowed for him to come, um, an unexpected signing even on his own admission. Um, and he's um, come in, played two games in the Champions League, played against Sevilla after having one training session, was really solid in a game where Sevilla didn't offer much in terms of threat. But against Dortmund, um, who, as you say there, like they did have their kind of promising moments. Um especially with Royce being his, and obviously this of being his um, kind of wily self. And he just looks really, really dependable. Um, he doesn't, he's kind of really assured on the ball, just a seamlessly fit in, into that back line. And I think he deserves a quite a bit of praise for that. Obviously, he's not played in the Premier League yet. Um, maybe some shortcomings might come up in more league football and especially adapting, Um, you know, as we always say, the physical demands of the Premier League and all that as Haaland has, kind of debunked completely. But there may be some truth in it when it comes to playing against, um, you know, the big lumbering strikers of the Premier League. Um, he's, he's had a really good start, either way.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was... seems strange, given that he probably had to do a lot more yesterday than he did against Sevilla. But I think I was a bit more... Maybe maybe it was just, you know, seeing this guy that had been at the club for a, for a day and then just play and look pretty good. I was more kind of confident about him then. Um, I do think, he, while he is good on the ball, um, and this is can't really be much of a criticism just because of how good the other two are, but I don't think he quite has the sort of, you know, the vision or the um, the ability to break the lines with his passing that, say, I'merit Laporte or John Stones, when John Stones is playing at centre-back, have. Um, which, you know, the same can go for Ruben Diaz and the same can go for Nathan Ake as well. It's just a reality of how good the other two are. But I thought, you know, given that was the kind of game where City really could have done with Laporte, um, just to try and, given how congested it was between the lines because of how Dortmund set up, I don't think Kanji and Ake's sort of passing was quite up to the perhaps incisive level that would have been good to try and help break them down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as you say, he was pretty solid. Um, yeah, I think tougher tests might come, um, and it'll be interesting to see how he fares with with those, just because, I mean, it was a large and decent performance, but there was definitely one moment, I remember, from the second half where I think when Marco Royce somehow yeah. put it wide at the far post. I don't know how he didn't score, mm. but Akanji, and, it, and yes, it is a, de- a desperate last-second challenge, but the way he went sliding in and, and Royce just sort of deftly just side sidestepped him, it's the kind of challenge where if it goes in, if, if he makes that challenge, doesn't get the ball and then Royce scores, you're kind of thinking that that's a very Nicholas Otamendi kind of <laughs> kind of thing to do. The way that he very sort of rashly slid in. Um, pretty risky as well because, you know, when you're out of control like that, you could easily trip the guy and give away a penalty. But um, I thought on the whole he was pretty good. And, and you're right, he does look comfortable. There's no kind of you know sometimes you when especially in the past with City when they've signed new defenders, they look before they become confident they look very shaky on the ball. There's miscommunication between them and the other defenders, but there's not not been any of that with the kanji. so i I am nitpicking a bit, I think, but yeah, I think' we'll, there'll be much like sort of more difficult tests to come for him. So I don't think we should get too carried away. But mm-hmm. I think what we've seen so far, you know, is he's, he's not going to be a starter when everyone's fit. Mm. Or at least in the sort of best eleven, uh, if such a thing exists with Pep Guardiola City. But um yeah, I think he has, you know, he's he's, he's definitely good enough to be in one of those squad players, um, one of the centre backs available for selection. And it's there's definitely not a dramatic, you know, tail off. It's not like when he comes in, they're putting in a defender that only knows how to hoof it half the length of the pitch. Like, you know, yeah. he's got he's good on the ball, he's just not quite as good as someone like Laporte, but you know, who is really. Mm. Um so yeah, I thought it was encouraging but uh, on the most part, but um, yeah, there'll be more, more tests to come for
1: sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I'd give more credit to Royce for putting him in the dirt. Then, um, then I mean, that was a great switch. I think he just, I think he was kind of sliding as he shot. Um, if I recall correctly, he certainly was on the floor after. it. So yeah, that was agonizingly close. And mm. with the real wake up call, I got City, you know, I think got Pep calling the reinforcements. Um, yeah, I, I agree. You know, for 15 million or whatever it was as a, Fourth, fifth choice centre back. You you can't go much wrong. I think he's had yeah. a solid start. But I should say as well, you know, Diego Costa potentially on the weekend. So let's move on. You know, good. You know, concerning but still a win. Eight games undefeated so far. Top of the Champions League group table. Double header against FC Copenhagen next. Sitting pretty. Back to kind of Premier League action. Wolves on Saturday. The game does go ahead. Um, amid cancellations and postponements. Um, elsewhere in the Premier League, ahead um, of uh, Queen Elizabeth II's funeral on Monday, um, City's game does go ahead against Wolves. And Wolves' mixed start to the season had some problems up front. Raul Jimenez, sadly, not the same player he once was after his kind of horrible head injury. And then their new signing, who I'm going to guess you can pronounce because
0: I certainly can. Who's the new signing? Sorry. The guy <laughs> from
1: Stuttgart. I want to say Sasha. Oh, Summer.
0: I- I don't know. I'll have to. I threw, have to put, the bus I threw you under the bus there. Threw
1: you under the bus. Can only <laughs> apologise, but it doesn't matter because he won't be playing because I think he's done a quite serious injury, which is why um, and he'll be out for quite a while. Which is why Wolves have turned to Diego Costa. He's back in the Premier League. Absolute great villainy. Can't wait to see him um, play again. And he may well play against City. His second Premier League debut. He's debut for Wolves this weekend. Um, he's 35 now, um, or maybe even older. He's had been in Brazil. Um for the last couple of years. uh is he gonna trouble City? But uh, at least in the goals, he might trouble them in getting kicked in the ankles and stuff like that and getting badgered at. But will he will he um will City have much trouble when they've come up against Wolves?
0: Uh, does anyone have Elliot Quinn Mangala's phone number? <laughs> Seems to remember he pocketed him on his uh, City debut back in 2014 and and then it was all downhill from there. So hopefully Manuel Akanji doesn't follow a similar a similar trend. But um yeah, I can't say I've really kept tabs on what Diego Costa has been up to um since he um he went back to Brazil for a bit and did he have a spell in China as well. Um yeah I'm not you know the Wolves they've they've not you know they're, they're not kind of the um I wouldn't say they're at the level of some of the teams that, that City have played this season already, but um they're they're definitely no sort of uh no slouches either and they have they are one of those teams that have caused City decent problems in recent seasons obviously some of those were under the the management of um nuno espirito santo um and now it's um it's is it bruno large i've just had a brain brain, brain fart there yeah Bruno right. large. um so um yeah i think they they're never a team that's they just they don't really score that many goals so that could be nice for city to have a game where perhaps um it's you know they they're not you know if they'd come up against spurs on saturday obviously it was postponed but if they'd had spurs on saturday and we all know how what happens when city play spurs and then they'd had this particularly emotionally draining champions league game against dortmund then um it might have been a bit of an issue with with um, how sort of wolves attack they're quite direct um but hopefully city will be well equipped and you know costa he's obviously a very physical player he's he is going to provide a focal point that Wolves maybe didn't have before. But, you know, how well sort of bedded in is he with his new teammates? Is What's the kind of understanding between them? It's going to be his first game. So, you know, there's lots of variables, but I'd be surprised if Costa isn't involved in some capacity. Um, but I do think that, you know, City have got enough to sort of cope with him. But, you know, famous last words, he'll probably go and score a brace now, won't he? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah. no, I think it's a game that City should be expecting well, not expecting, but, you know, they, they should be confident that they can win. Mm-hmm. um, And, you know, they didn't, they didn't, I say they've had struggles against Wolves, but obviously they, they, they won, was it four or five nil there towards the end of last season. Kevin De Bruyne is scoring four. Um, so hopefully they can, you know, rediscover that form because they were probably in a bit better nick in that game than they are now. Um, but yeah, I think it is a game that City should be looking to win. Especially given that the first game after the international break is the Manchester Derby, so you don't mm-hmm. you don't want to be lose, dropping points at Wolves uh, and then going into the Derby really kind of needing to to win to sort of um, avoid a bit of a slump in results because um, that one is definitely going to be harder than we perhaps thought a month ago when United were were kind of struggling. So um, yeah, I think it's it's not going to be an easy game, but I think City should probably win.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and you know I should say last match for the international break. You expect Pep to kind of go as strong as possible, get those three points, and could well be top of the table going into the international break, which we you know would be a, a brilliant start to the season, indeed. And of course, we'll have Saturday's match covered, every corner of which covered um, on Saturday over on Manchester uk forward slash Manchester City. You can of course get all the build up. Um, anticipation and aftermath on our Twitter as well at Man City MEN and you can find us on Facebook over at the uh, Facebook page Manchester News dash Manchester City. Thank you very much for joining me Alex. It's been a great insightful chat about City's um, eventual Dortmund victory. We'll be back next week no doubt to talk about the Wolves game and maybe look a little bit at the international break with five City players in that England squad. The last international break of course ahead of the World Cups so I'll might be nice to have a little bit of a little bit of um a looking ahead to uh, november's tournament but until next week thank you all very much for listening and we'll see you then